I'm Pastor Tim, and I'm delighted to speak to you from God's Word, about God's Word, this morning. It's a new year, just around the corner, and a new year comes with new possibilities, right? And yet, and yet a new year doesn't change maybe our current difficulties, does it? I wonder what those difficulties might be for you. Might it be marriage, or parenting? finances, or school, or friendships, or a job, or purpose, direction. When the difficulties are thick enough, we really don't know what to do, do we? Uh, we need help, and if you're a Christian, I'll bet you pray. How many times have you prayed something like this? God, I really don't know what to do about, and you name it. And then you say something like, would you please show me? I need your counsel and your direction. I need your strength. I pray like that often, and I'll bet many of you do too. Have you heard God answer? What's the most common way that God expects you to hear his answer to those prayers? Is it not that God will remind you of something he's written in his word? Isn't that the way he expects you to hear those answers? Friends, ingesting the words of God that he's already given us is the most reliable, the clearest way that God has given for us to know him and to know his ways. How you walk with God requires all of your being to be informed and trained by God, your desires, your motivations, your thoughts, your words, your deeds. And he has designed no more effective means to inform and train you than the Bible you hold in your hand or is at home on your shelf. My desire this morning, the aim of this message is to convince and motivate and even compel you to ingest the word of God week by week, over the next year, to such a degree that your delight in God would visibly rise, and to such a degree that your faith in God would have muscle. Why does your faith need muscle? So that you can do, endure the tests and trials you face without losing your trust and your treasuring of God. So ask yourself right now, say, how's my delight in God? And ask yourself, how's the muscle of my faith in God? If you'd like more of both of these, if you sense your need for more of both of these, and I hope you do, then follow me as we look at what the Bible has to say about God's Word and you. Would you please pray with me now? Father, if your Spirit doesn't come accompanying the preaching of your Word this morning, then our time will be in vain. This is not a perfect message. I am not a perfect speaker, and my listeners, these beloved here, don't have perfect ears and hearts either. So God, would you please come? You are our God that can make imperfect into just what we need. So come with power that opens our ears to understand, and with power that compels our hearts into action. God, don't leave us to ourselves. Don't leave us as we are. Make us more yours more happily yours, more obediently yours, more faithfully yours. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My plan is to discuss this topic in two parts. The first part is to answer the question, why? Why should you make the effort to ingest God's word? What good will it do for you? Remember that I told you that my desire is to convince, to motivate, and even compel you to ingest the word of God. Answering the why question is key to your motivation to wanting to do that. The second part is answering the question, what? What practical things can you do to help you ingest God's word in a way that will give you the, what God promises his word will give? So the two parts of this message are why and what. So, why should you make the effort to ingest the word of God? Because God's word informs us, protects us, and transforms us. Let's begin with God's word informs us. Look with me at Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you're walking on a dark path in the woods and a, a flashlight shows you where to put your next step so that you don't trip over a root or, or uh, step into a hole or stumble over a rock. In the same way, God says that his word shows you where to put the next step of your life. Why is that important? We all make hundreds of decisions every day. Most of them are so quick that we hardly think about them. But we do make them. When your child says, but I don't want to get up and get ready for school. I want to stay in bed. When they say that, how will you, parent, respond? You have options. Which will you choose? A wise parent knows that these little responses combine to train your child one way or the other. Do you need a lamp for your path? Surely, rather you're a parent or a child or anyone else. As well as informing us about the path of life, God informs us about himself. You don't have to listen long to hear many different views about God. What does God care about? What does he think of us? Is he stern and exacting or is he like Santa Claus? We can guess for the answers. Or we can just believe what sounds good to us. Just like choosing which dessert to have. Some people choose which God to have. Does that sound right to you? It's not right. It's really foolish. The only way to know God rightly is for him to tell us. And he does that. Where? In the Bible. Look with me at Exodus 34, 5 to 7 for an example from this. God comes to the man Moses on Mount Sinai. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then this next is so surprising. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God's nature is not simple. Simple would be all grace, no judgment, or all judgment, no grace. Without a passage like that, we'd surely get God wrong. 
This passage is not all that God reveals about himself in the Bible, but it is one example. Why should you ingest the word of God? Because God word, God's word informs us about life and about God with information we'll get in no other way. But why should you care? Maybe your own thoughts about God and about life are just as good as his. That's not true. You should care because in addition to informing us, God's word protects us from evil and for life. Look with me at Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He, that man, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Why should you care to get in the information that God wants to give you in his word? Because of verses 5 and 6. When it says that the wicked will not stand in the judgment, it means that they will fall. They will perish. They will be sent to eternal torment. And when, God's, and when it says that God knows the way of the righteous, it means that they will stand that they will thrive through the judgment of God. This is why you should care that God's word protects us from evil and for life. But where is the means of protection? It's in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. If you don't want to be judged with the wicked, then don't walk in their counsel. If you don't want to be judged with sinners, then don't stand with their causes and their appetites. Not only is God telling you that you will be blessed, not condemned, if you don't go along with the wicked, but he's telling you how to not go along with the wicked. Medit how? Meditate on his law day and night. Don't meditate on sin's laws. Meditate on God's laws. If you meditate on sin's laws, your heart will delight in sin's laws, and you will find yourself following those laws to judgment. If you meditate on God's laws, your heart will delight in God's laws, and you, and, and you will find yourself following those <laughs> to life. This is not the only passage in God's word where he writes to protect you from evil for life, but it is one example. Why should you ingest the word of God? Because God's word protects us from evil for life. And if you know yourself well, you know that the turn to turn away from sin does not come naturally. And you know that to delight in God's law and meditate on it Oh, that doesn't come naturally either. It seems like we have no control over what we like and what we don't. 
So if you, find God, if you don't find God's word delightful, you feel stuck. How do you change your wants? If this is you, and it's every one of us, then this last reason to ingest God's word is really good news. Yes, God's word informs us and protects us, but also God's word transforms us. Look with me at John 17, 17. Jesus is praying to his father just before he faces the cross. He's praying for all those who would be saved by Jesus. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. To sanctify means to make holy, to set apart, to purify. This is what each of us needs, but is unable to obtain on our own. First, note from this verse that it's a work of God. It doesn't say that, but we know it because Jesus is asking the Father to do it in people like us. Second, sanctification comes how? In the truth, it says. If I told you, clean the dishes, if I wanted you to clean the dishes, I might say, wash them in the water. So Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. And finally, where is this truth found? In God's word. Your word, Jesus says, is truth. You and I need to have our delights changed. Changed from delighting in sin to delighting in God and his word. But you and I can't change that ourselves. We do have one hope, though, and it's a good one. God designed his word to transform us. When God uses his word to sanctify you, your delights are made right and pure. Look with me at one more passage to see how God's word transforms us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord is the Spirit. First, notice the phrase, are being transformed. Second, what is the means of this transformation? It is beholding the glory of the Lord. This is how the transformation in Christians takes place. Third, what are we transformed into? Into the glorious image of the Lord. Remember, God created man in, his, in the image of God, and sin marred that image in man. But when a person becomes born again, they are gradually remade into this image of God. This is sanctification. When you become more holy by the power of God at work in you, your imaging of God becomes clearer, purer. So as you behold the glory of the Lord, as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the glory of the Lord. Now, where are we to behold the glory of the Lord? In the world God made and in the word God made. But friends, your most earnest looking for God and his glory should be in his word. The reason? You have no clearer means to see God in his glory than in the Bible you hold. And as you behold his glory in the Bible, he transforms you more and more into his image. So where are we? We've answered the question, why should you make the effort 
to ingest the Word of God. Because God's Word informs us about God and life. And God's Word protects us from evil and for life. And He transforms us by His Word into the glorious image of God that we were made to be. Moses told the people of Israel that God's Word is no empty word for them, but is their very life. That's a quote. Friends, this is true for you. God's word is no empty word for you, but is your very life. The question is, do you believe it? And if you believe it, do you act on that? Do you act like you believe it? By ingesting God's word over and over, day by day, year after year? Or is God's word an empty word for you? Choose life, my friends. Trying to live the Christian life without ingesting his word is like trying to play great football without lifting weights. It won't work. You'll surely stumble and fall. Remember that I said this message has two parts, a why and a what. We just finished the first part. Why should you ingest the word of God? Now we'll look at the second part. What practical things can you do to help you ingest God's word in a way that gives you what God promises his word will give? Being motivated, that's the why. Being motivated is one thing. <laughs> Actually doing it's another, right? Being motivated to exercise is one thing. Carrying it out is quite another. Same thing with dieting. Same thing with cleaning the house. Same thing with ingesting the scripture. Here are some things to help you carry out what I hope you want to do with the Bible. Take a look at these three verses with me. Psalm 119.27 Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Notice the verbs understand and meditate. Ezra 7.10 For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Notice the verb, study. And if you're tempted to think that understanding and meditating and studying God's word is only for church teachers, then take a look at this next verse. Psalm 111, verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Where, friends, are we to find the largest and clearest catalog of the works of the Lord in God's Word. Remember, His Word informs us about God and life. And who is to study the catalog, these, this catalog of the works of the Lord? All who delight in Him and them. Do you need to be reminded that you are to understand and meditate on and study God's Word? I believe so. Because in our day, we all want our learning to be entertainment. We want to learn without effort. Friends, engineers don't design bridges without effort. And we are so glad they don't. And doctors don't discover new cures for diseases without effort. And we are so glad they don't. In the same way, Christ followers don't ingest the word of God without 
effort. God's works are far more widespread than bridges and cures. And God himself is far more complex and interesting than any bridge or cure. And so he and his ways take effort to understand. So when we talk about ingesting the word of God, we're talking about taking it in with our eyes and our ears, either reading it ourselves or hearing someone read it. But ingesting requires more than our ears and our eyes. It requires our brains. Hence the words understand, meditate, and study. There's a problem, though. You and I can read without our brains turned on. Do you know what I'm talking about? When was the last time you read a paragraph, but you were thinking about something else at the very same time? That happens to me all the time, unless I make an effort to stop it. It especially happens if the reading is an item on my to-do list. I want to have read it because I know I should, but I may not actually want to know what it says. But that happens to me, even with the Bible. So how do we stop that? How do we turn on our brain while reading so that we actually understand, meditate, and study? We turn on our brain by slowing down and by asking questions as we read the scripture. What does that word mean? What does that phrase mean? Why does he have this after that? That doesn't seem to make sense to me. Those kind of questions. Very practically, this means that I can't read the Bible very well if I'm in, in, a, in a distracting environment. Like a conversation's going on around me that I can hear. Or the TV's turned on or some interesting music is playing. You know what I mean by interesting? You just can't not, right? As well, if you use an audio Bible... Consider what else you're doing at the same time that you're listening to that. With some activities, you can listen to that with your near full attention, but with others, not. So summary, ingesting the Word of God is not like watching your favorite movie. You must give effort to understand, meditate, and study it. Whenever we do a task, even reading the Bible, it helps to have the right expectations. And when we don't, we think, well, it's not working, so we quit. Let's say I've always wanted to play piano, and so I find someone to give me lessons. I really want the best results. I want to learn and play well. So I find a teacher who's well-recommended and has the highest qualifications. She's pricey. The teacher I ask, they ask me to commit to nine months of lessons in advance and to pay the rather large fee in advance as well. I'm happy to pay because I really want to be a good piano player. The weekly lessons begin, and let's say I really do. I practice 30 minutes a day. At the end of nine months, after spending so much money and so much effort, I'm disappointed. I've worked so hard and spent so much money, but I don't play as well as I imagined I would. Now, at this point, I could blame it on the teacher or on the keyboard. Or maybe I could say, I just don't have the inborn skill to be a piano player. Maybe that's it. All those great players out there, they were just born great 
players of piano. But if you're a good piano player, and I asked your advice, I said, why aren't I a better piano player after nine months? Should I just quit trying? What would you tell me? Wouldn't you say, it's probably not your teacher or the keyboard. It takes longer than nine months of good effort to become a good piano player. I'll bet you'd tell me that I'm expecting too much too quickly. I'm then left with a question for myself. Am I willing to put in, keep putting in, this hard effort in order to keep pursuing my goal? Friends, reading the Bible is like this. We expect that if we start reading the Bible in the morning, that God will make sure that we have a really good day. When the day goes bad, we think that he, God, broke his side of the agreement. What agreement? Well, it's something like this. God, I'll tell you what. I'll read my Bible in the morning for a few minutes, and then you make sure that all the hours of my day go really well. Deal? God doesn't make deals like that. Ingesting the scriptures will not instantly change your soul and your life. So when you don't see an instant change, don't quit. But look with me at Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Friends, God does promise that his word will bear fruit, including fruit in your life if you will ingest it. But a piano player isn't made in nine months, an apple isn't grown in a day, and so don't expect the ingesting of the scriptures to instantly change your soul and your life. Next, let's talk about right motivations. I might take piano, piano lessons because my parents make me do it. And so I just check it off the list each week without really putting in the effort. I might take piano, play, piano lessons because I want to please my parents. I might take piano lessons because I want everyone to recognize me as a great piano player. None of these motivations are the kind that really drive you to want to work at learning piano. Here are three motivations to ingest the Word of God. First, don't ingest the Word of God to please God, but rather to have your soul pleased with Him. Second, don't ingest the Word of God to prove yourself to be a good Christian, a good Christ follower, but rather to make you a good Christ follower by His grace. Third, don't ingest the word of God to fulfill a duty, but rather to taste and see God in all his excellencies. Before you go to God's word, find the place of need in your soul. I'm often dull to God as I approach my time to read the Bible. Sometimes I don't really want to read it. I'm look, more looking forward to my day going well, hassle-free, than I am to seeing and delighting in God. I'm not sure. I, do, I, I don't even see, maybe in that moment, my need for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm, I'm not seeing my need to have my desires pointed away from worldly things and toward God. I'm just not seeing right. 
So before I read the first word in the Bible for the day, I need to come from where I am to where God is. I need my soul to, to stop leaning away from God and instead to lean toward him. Look at these four scriptures with me. They, each of them can be turned into four short prayers before you begin to read. Psalm 119.36, incline my heart to your testimonies, not to selfish gain. God, would you please, I'm about to open the scriptures, would you please incline my heart to your testimonies? Second, Psalm 119.18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. God, open my eyes, may I not read and be blind. May I see wondrous things that are really there. Psalm 86.11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Father, my heart runs after many other things right now. It's united to other things. God, unite my heart to fear your name. A right fear of God, friends, is essential to a heart that beats for God. And then lastly, Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. God, would you satisfy my soul deeply now as I read your word. As I said, friends, turn these into four short prayers before you begin to read. As you ask God to do each of these for you, these put your motivation in the right place by God's power. For years, I've had these written on a little note that I keep in my Bible. After a while, you'll know them by memory. I-O-U-S, incline, open, unite, satisfy. I encourage you to pray these four verses as you approach God's word each day. If you'd like a little slip of paper to put in your Bible, come ask me. I'll give you one. If I was to practice piano to such a degree that my delight in music and my ability to play it was to visibly rise, I would need a plan. What would my plan have to include? Well, when will I practice? Where will I practice? And what will I practice? If you are to ingest the Word of God week by week over the next year to such a degree that your delight in God would visibly rise and to such a degree that your faith in God would have muscle, you will need a plan. When will you ingest? Where will you ingest? And what will you ingest? When and where matter primarily because of the need to avoid distractions, as I mentioned earlier. Choose a time and a place where you will be least likely to be disturbed. This will be different for you if you're a parent of young children or if you're a retiree. Personally, I find that if I don't spend time in the Bible early in the day that I can hardly make myself do it later on once the pressures of the day's tasks start to hit. So consider spending time with God early in your day, even if you need to set an alarm earlier to make it happen. Some things are worth even that. You need a plan for what you will ingest. What exactly will you read? You might be tempted to think that the Old Testament is less relevant to you 
than the New Testament, that the Old Testament is old and therefore not very useful, that it's been replaced by something new and therefore better. News better, we're trained to think. Look with me at Matthew 5, 17. These are Jesus' words. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. By the law and the prophets, Jesus meant the books of the Old Testament. The Old Testament, that was Jesus' Bible and the disciples' Bible. He quoted it often. After Jesus died on the cross and rose again just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus said this to his followers. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And here it comes. That everything written about me, where? In the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. That's every book in the Old Testament. That's what they called it, divided into three parts. Must be fulfilled. Do you see that, that Jesus said that what was written in the Old Testament was written about him? And his gospel, he meant for the disciples in his day to read those Old Testament books to learn about him and his gospel message. And Jesus means for his disciples in our day to do the same. I'm bringing this to your attention to encourage you to not neglect reading the Old Testament. So what should you read? Both the Old Testament and the New Testament. How often should you read? Well, regularly enough that you're ingesting the Word of God into your everyday, day-to-day life. If you read the Bible once a week, my friends, that's probably too infrequent. It leaves you six days with no input from God's Word. You want His Word affecting your thoughts most days of the week. How much should you read? Well, we we recommend that you read through the Bible in a year. Doing it in a year is fast enough that the Bible actually changes the way you think about things. What do I mean by that? I want to give you an illustration that I've given once before in a message, but it was worth saying again. Imagine watching a movie one minute a night, three nights a week. A two-hour movie would take you 40 weeks to get to the end. And here's the big question. After you watched it all, how well would you understand, let alone enjoy, the movie? Not well. This is why reading the Bible through in a year is so helpful to your soul. It greatly increases your word of God. I'm sorry, increases your understanding of God, of his world, and of his word. It changes the way you think and evaluate the world. When you hear changes the way you think about and evaluate the world, think your sanctification. We've prepared some resources to help you with your plan, and you can pick them up in the Welcome Center this morning back in the foyer. The first resource is the Bible reading plan that we're recommending called, Pastor Mike mentioned it in the announcement, the Kingdom Bible Reading Plan. This plan leads you to read through the entire Bible in a year by reading 25 days a month. Why why 25 days a month? Because you can miss a day and still keep up with your plan in in a month. Each day you'll read from four places in the Scriptures, three from the Old Testament and one from the New. I spend about 20 to 25 minutes a day with that plan. If you've been a Christian for a while, 
I'm urging you to challenge yourself for the sake of the muscle of your faith and your delight in God. And yet, if 20 to 25 minutes a day, you say, I really can't do that, then divide that plan in half. Pick two columns of the four this year and read the other two next year so that in two years, instead of one, you'll read through the entire Bible. Now, what if you're not much of a reader? And maybe you haven't really read much Bible before at all in your life. Well, I'd recommend that you start with something smaller. And so we created a simplified Bible reading plan that lasts for just four weeks, reading five days a week. The plan leads you to read through the chapter, a chapter of Mark and a psalm each day, and concluding after Mark. Mark runs out a little bit before the four weeks, so starting a few, a few chapters of Acts. I'm guessing that plan might take you about 10 minutes or so each day to read. The last resources that we've prepared is not a Bible reading plan, but a Bible memory challenge. The reason I chose the word ingest rather than read is that there's more to taking God's word into us than reading. Memorizing is one of those other ways. The point of memorizing the Bible is that because it's not so easy, you have to read it and recite it again and again before you have it in your memory. And the again and the again process cements not just the words, but the ideas of the text into you. Look at Psalm 119.11 with me. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Friends, how do you store up God's word in your heart? By reading it once in your life? That's some of your plans. By reading it once every 10 years? That's others of yours. By reading it once a year? Storing up God's word in your heart is more than reading it. It is reading it and thinking on it and mulling it over and applying it and questioning it and memorizing it so that it becomes a part of you. We've created a Bible memorization resource for you to memorize a passage one a week for four weeks. How to memorize a passage in a week? I'm going to tell you exactly how. Day one, just read it aloud. Aloud, it matters. Read it aloud ten times. Day two, read it aloud ten times. But while you're doing it on day two, see if you could say the first words without looking before you read it. By day three, see if you can read the first portion or more without looking. Again, ten times aloud. By day four, do the same. Day five, day six, day seven. I usually find that by day three or four, I'm getting most of it from memory. Then, after the first passage is memorized in week one, then move on to the second passage. But in each day of week two, Try to say week's one passage by memory. And look at it if you need to. Read it aloud if you need to. And then do the same in week three, the same in week four, for four passages. Friends, God's memorized word has always bore fruit in my life. I, it's uncanny how the very things I'm memorizing are the things that come up to my mind as I'm in conversation with someone, as I'm going through my day. It's that. That's the anchor for my soul. This is soul muscle. <laughs> this is delight in God. 
In conclusion, friends, let's come back from the what question to the why. Why should you make it the effort to ingest the word of God? Because God's word informs us about God and life. And God's word protects us from evil and for life. And God's word transforms us into the glorious image of God that we were made to be. I want to add a personal testimony about Bible reading here at this point at the end. Many years ago, neither Renee nor I read the Bible through as we're discussing today. I don't think we, I don't know that I ever heard of anybody reading the Bible through in a year. At best, I read a chapter a day, more commonly. I didn't read at all. Those were my years of famine, I now say. I regret those years. There were about 10 years of my life in my late 20s and 30s that I, I didn't read the Bible at all except on Sunday morning in church. And I'm guessing you're like me. And so that's why I'm talking about this. I so regret those years of famine, Bible famine in my life. So here's what happened. Renee was the first one. We went to a conference. There was a little challenge there about reading through the Bible. Renee was the first one to read the Bible through in a year between the two of us. She was a young homeschool mom, kids at home, and it changed her. She saw it. I saw it. A year or so later, I began reading through the Bible in a year, and it's now been many years. In each year, I see how God's working through his word in my life in a way that's so much more than when I was just, can I say the word, snacking on his word. Since coming, me coming to FBC, I've often encouraged exactly what I'm encouraging today, for you to read through the Bible in a year. And I want you to know that I've heard from brothers and sisters in Christ here who have taken up the challenge. Some have been senior adults. Some have been parents, moms of kids at home. Others are, are still parenting with grade school kids and some younger. All have told me that their delight in God and his word has risen because of what they did in a year. All have said to me that the effort was worth it. They smile when they come and talk to me about it. Friends, is God calling you to ingest the word of God week by week over the next year to such a degree that your delight in God would visibly rise and, the, and your faith in God would have muscle? I hope you're calling him, you're hearing him call you. Pick a plan and lean into it in 2024. They're back in the foyer. You won't regret it. Would you please pray with me? Father, your word is so rich with nourishment for our souls. Jesus said that we need the Bible more than we need bread. So would you please move by your spirit in your people to eat up week to week all this next year. And by your spirit, as we ingest, would you please increase our soul's delight in you and your ways and increase our soul's muscle to endure well. We need you. We want you. Would you please work in us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.